Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. Starting a brand new series today called Lead. And what our hope is over the next, I don't know, five, six weeks is we're gonna look at some of the biblical principles out of scripture that if we would apply them to our life, they will lead us to good things. They will lead us really to success. And for today's conversation, I wanna start, you don't have to turn there, we're eventually gonna land in Exodus, but I wanna start in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, and it says, God saved you by his grace when you believe. Man, that's good news. I can't earn it. I can't be good enough. I don't have to clean myself up. But God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift. It's a free gift from God. Salvation is not a reward because some were really good and God felt like saving. No, 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 no. It's not a reward for the good things we've done. So no one or none of us can boast about being saved. That, that's good news. That my relationship, my salvation with God is not based upon my ability to earn it. It's not based upon my ability to keep a set of rules or a set of laws. It's based on, and we say it like this, based on grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And that, man, I don't know about you, but that's good news that I don't have to try to clean myself up or be perfect enough for God to love and save. Amen, everybody? But today's message has a little bit of tension to it. And I wanna just kind of jump into that because we're saved by grace alone through faith faith alone and Christ alone. However, God's word is full of commandments that you and I as Christians, there's things we need to do. But doing those things doesn't save us. Our salvation is not dependent upon my ability to do. It's not dependent upon my ability to obey. My salvation is based upon grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. So that creates a little quandary, if you will. It creates some tension if I don't have to do it to be a Christian, it's easy to say, then why am I doing it? Then why bother? And actually to counter that, some churches or some denominations or, or some preachers down through the decades, maybe down through the centuries, used a heavy fear-based theology, like God's gonna be mad at you in order to produce good moral behavior. Well, that didn't produce the desired results. What it actually did was created a lot of space for heavy religion, created a lot of space for manipulation and even judgmental attitudes to develop. And maybe some of you even came out of those type churches. But when you study Jesus, he came and pushed against anything like that. But the other extreme is, oh, we're saved by grace, so just don't worry about it. Well, that, that don't work either. There's a lot of people who have accepted the free gift of God's grace, of salvation, but their life certainly doesn't look like it. The Bible's pretty clear that sin is still sin. Might as well just get it over with early. Everybody say, I love BK. I'm BK. You know what I'm saying? I just, because some of this message is a little bit heavy. First service got mad at me. I know y'all are probably in a little bit better mood because you've had more coffee, but... Regardless of your opinion, regardless of whether you agree, regardless what you think about, sin is still sin. Greed is a sin. Gluttony is a greed. Adultery is greed. It, it's a sin. Pornography, it's a sin. Homosexuality, sin is still a sin. I don't get to set the rules the scripture does. 
So here's the tension. If I'm saved by grace, but the Bible is full of commandments. If I'm saved by grace alone, why do I have to bother with biblical morality? Why bother with keeping the commandments if I'm already saved? And in 2022, my fear is we have boiled Christianity down to base minimums. We'll just, what do I have to do to be a Christian? Okay, well, tell me what to do and I'm good, right? I prayed the prayer. I put my faith in Christ. I'm, I'm good. But then you're reading through the Gospels and you see the words of Jesus and he says stuff like this. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can also identify people by their actions. Oh, dang. You know, like what kind of fruit is my life, is my tree producing? I'm saved by grace, but the Bible's full of commandments. And you have people who profess to be followers of Christ. Oh, oh, we love the Lord, but their tree is empty. It's not full of fruit, it's full of nuts. You know what I'm saying, right? That might be, they might be a believer, but they don't live like a believer. But Jesus would say, if you love me, obey my commandments. So here's the beauty of how all this works together. This is the beauty of how God works in our life. These commandments, if we do them, they add great value. They add great benefit to our lives. Now, God's not up there saying, don't do this and do that and don't do this and don't do that because he's a fun hater. God, God's not a fun hater. I think God has a great sense of humor. I mean, who else would have come up with aardvarks and anteaters, okay? If you do these things, if you live by these biblical principles, the end result will actually be better for you. Let me give you some example, like, Thou shalt not steal. Don't steal, right? If you and I and everyone, if we live by that, if we don't steal, then you don't have to worry. Oh, did I lock the car or not? One of you kids go back, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Growing up as a kid, sometimes we would get up the next morning and realize that whoever was the last person to come in the house, they didn't lock the door, and we slept all night long with the doors unlocked. <gasps> and nobody freaked out, nobody thought anything about it. Right? I live in that same house, live in the country. And in 2022, my wife believes that there are ax murderers everywhere. So on a Saturday afternoon, I can be out in the yard, my yard, working. I can be out in my shop and try to go back into the house to get something and the door is locked. So I have to tap on the window or go around to the garage and punch the code in and wait for the garage door to go, you know? She is deathly afraid of Talala axe murderers. And my family has lived in Talala since 1987. Never has there been an axe murder in Talala in the history of Talala. But two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday when I'm out working in the yard, I get locked out of my own house because we are keeping murderous axe murderers out of the house. If everybody would abide by thou shalt not murder, I wouldn't get locked out of the house as much. 
it's for my good, right? These commands, they, they're not intended to keep something from us. They're intended to bring good things to us. Like we think about when you were a kid, I don't know what time your bedtime was, but if your bedtime was 8.30, 9.00, so think about when your parents said, okay, it's time to go to bed. Man, they just felt like fun haters. And now your mom and dad and some of y'all are giving your kids melatonin and Benadryl, calling it communion at 745 because mama's got to have a little mama time. It's for everybody's good, right? Now you're the fun hater. First service didn't even laugh at that. I don't think they were away. I think right over their head. These principles, we're going to talk about these lead principles that if you do whatever the principle is, God is such a good God that good things will happen. He's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to instill good things in your life. And this week, probably gonna be one of the most obvious ones because the Bible even says that. If you'll do this principle, then good things will happen. So I'm gonna start in Exodus chapter 20. If you wanna turn there, you can. We'll eventually jump over and grab a passage out of the New Testament. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll put it up on the screen, barring you not do that buffering thing. Right, okay. Exodus chapter 20, and, and the children of Israel have lived in Egypt for 300 and, or 430 years. The biggest part of that, they were slaves. They had been told when to work, what to eat, where they'd sleep. I mean, their life had been controlled for them. And God uses a man by the name of Moses to call them out of their slavery in Egypt. And he brings them out and he takes them to this place called Mount Sinai. And there God gives Moses, he's nation building. And so he's got to give them how they structure their lives. And, and so God gives them laws. He gives them these, these 10 Top 10 suggestions, right? Well, he gives them the 10 commandments. And Exodus chapter 20 is the spelling out of these 10 commandments. And here's what I want you to notice about the one we're gonna look at today. The first four 10 commandments pertain to our relationship with God and how we obey him. Like don't have any other gods, don't make any graven images, give him a day, don't use his name in vain, right? Those first four deal with our relationship with God. But then the next six deal with our relationship with other humans. Okay, it's our, our relationship with humanity. This is the first of those six, all right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, honor your father and your mother, then you will live a long, full life in the land your Lord God is giving you. Of the 10 commandments, this is the only one. Of the other nine commandments are thou shalt not, but this is the only commandment that God says, if you do this, a good thing is gonna follow you. If you obey this, there is a promise that's associated with that, all right? So in the New Testament, Paul is writing to Christians who live in the city of Ephesus. And like, they don't, they don't I, he's just giving them some basic instructions for how to be a Christian in their society. And so he talks about how to be married. And he talks about how to raise your kids and kids how to behave. And, and he talks about how to be a good boss if you have employees. And he talks about how to be a good employee. So he's just giving them basic Christian instructions for life. And he says this in Ephesians chapter six, verse one. Children, obey your parents. And all the parents said, amen. Okay, do this because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Verse two, and here he quotes Exodus chapter 20, he says, honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you. 
and you will have a long life on the earth. If you honor, things will go well for you. So I wanna just kind of stop today and unpack what happens when we honor, when we honor our father and our mother. And here's the deal. Your parents, your mother and your father, they are the first people you have to learn how to honor. Your parents are the first authority in your life. So they're the first people I have to honor. They're also some of the hardest people that I have to honor, okay? In your life, when you reach that age, 13, 14, 15, 21, right? You know everything. Your parents are so uncool. They don't even know what TikTok is. OMG. Come on up. OMG. Kids, listen to me right here. Let me tell you how to fix that. Move out when you were 15 while you know everything. Because once you hit about 27, it's all downhill from there, baby. That first baby comes along and reality sets in. Maybe my mama wasn't so dumb after all. Mama, can you come take care of my baby? I love you. Listen, the hardest people to honor sometimes are the people that are closest to you. The first people we have to learn how to honor is our mother and our father because they're the first authority that's in our life. But many times they're the hardest to honor because we know their faults. We know their failures. Saw this on social media one time. Guy said, my dad was the football coach. And he made me run because I was late to practice. My dad drove me to practice, right? I mean, let that sink in for a second. We see our parents' failures. We see our parents' faults. We know them better than we know our other teachers, better than we know coaches, or better than we know youth pastors and youth leaders and celebrities. We know our parents. We know their faults. My kids know me well. They know I love Jesus. And if I smash my thumb, it is not pretty. I go off like a Tasmanian bottle rocket, like even the dogs get scared. I, I know I've told you this story on several occasions, but for the new folks in the room, I kind of felt like it's fitting. But I mean, when you've been the senior pastor in a place for 16 years, you kind of run out of stories. But when I was four years old, I, I don't remember what my mama had told me to do but I remember I had had enough and I wasn't gonna do it. I was also the kid that I had to go down at the end of church and let the pastor pray for me because I had a bad attitude, all right? So just feel like full disclosure. And so my mama had told me to do something and I wasn't gonna do it and she was in the kitchen cooking and I walked in there, kind of our kitchen table was, was right there and I walked into where she could see me and she kind of turned and when I had our eyes locked, I went, <laughs> let me tell you something. In 1978, in Antlers, Oklahoma, you didn't stick your tongue out at your mama. She dropped what she was cooking. She wiped her hands with the kitchen towel, and I knew in that moment, my life was over. Like my brother and I, we shared a room. Like There was no playroom. There was just your room, right? And so we had bunk beds in our room, and I climbed up on the top bunk, and got as far away from her up in the corner, up into a little tight ball, as tight as I could so she couldn't reach me. Mama reached me. 
And when she pulled me off that top bunk, she started swinging. I started falling and she whapped me about three times before my legs ever hit the ground. And some of you young mamas out there, you are horrified. I would never. We know. Like maybe you ought to. You said you love me. Those are your words. The Bible says, honor your father and your mother and sticking your tongue out at your mama is not very honoring. And she taught me that lesson in a very life-giving, painful way that day. Listen, here's, here's what this principle is going after. If you teach your children to be honoring when they are young, life is just gonna go better for them. Moms and dads, if you will teach your kids to honor, it will stay with them throughout their life. If you don't, they're either gonna have to learn it somewhere along the way, and more than likely, that's gonna come through the school of hard knocks, or they'll never learn it at all. And here's why this is hard. Because our default, our sinful nature is to rebel against authority. In the beginning, God created. That's why it's really important for you and I as Christians to have a biblical worldview and believe God's creation narrative that in the beginning God created. Well, what about the Big Bang Theory? In the beginning, God said, let there be light. Bang, there was light. See, science matches up with the Word of God. It's fine. In the beginning, God created. God was the author of this story. God is the author of this universe. He's the author of history. God is also the authority of this story. Did you ever put those two words side by side? Author and authority. I mean, Jesus said this in Luke 10. He, his disciples had been out and they'd been doing ministry and they came back and they're like, wow, Jesus, that was really cool. And like, we can do this and we can do that. And, and Jesus says this. Most theologians believe he's, he's talking back into history. There's a narrative in Isaiah chapter 14 and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Yes, maybe in that moment when his disciples were out ministering, he saw the kingdom advance, maybe spiritually. But, but what Jesus is really saying is, listen, Satan has no power. Satan has no authority. Satan has no dominion. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Satan, also called him Lucifer. You know, at one point he was on the good team. At one point he was one of the good guys. God had a trinity, if you will, of, of angels. He had three archangels. There was Gabriel, there was Michael, and many believe that Lucifer was one of those three higher up angels. And, and we think, we think that the Lucifer was responsible for, for worship. But in a very teenager, roll his eyes kind of way, I'm like, ah, I can do so much better. God basically said, all right, since you know everything, you can move out. <laughs> And Lucifer and a third of the angels were kicked out of heaven. And so now his story has good and evil. And part of our evil, part of our dark side, part of our sinful nature, part of our default is just to rebel against authority. One of the best ways to combat that, one of the best ways to overcome that dark side is learn this principle to honor Parents, if you don't teach your children to obey and honor, you are setting them up for the rest of their life to rebel and resist authority. 
And now we have a generation that every time I don't get my way, every time a decision gets handed down from authority that I don't agree with, I rebel, I protest, I resist. You don't believe me, just turn on the news for about four minutes and you'll see multiple stories of this as an example today in 2022. We are becoming, or we have become an honorless society and my friends, it's not working. Matter of fact, we're not the first. There were other Christians that kind of lost their ability to honor. So Peter writing to other Christians, 1 Peter 2, he says, hey, we need, as Christians, we need to be people of honor. Even if you don't like how the election turned out, even if you don't like the decision that was made, even if you don't like what the coach did, God is bigger, God is more powerful than your current political system. He says, for the Lord's sake, not for our sake, not for their sake, for the Lord's sake, submit to all not the ones you agree with, not the ones that are part of your party, but to all human authority, whether the king is the head of the state or it's an official that he appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Verse 17, respect everyone and love the family of believers. Like love your neighbor, but then love your church. You know what, we're a family. We're gonna go through tough times. We're gonna disagree. We're gonna have falling out people, but you know what? Love them anyway. Fear God and respect the king. But I don't want to respect the king. He's not my king. Listen, I didn't want to respect my mama when I was four years old and I stuck my tongue out and that didn't go very well. And this isn't going for well for our society because we have become an honorless society. If we don't teach honor to our kids at an early age, I fear they never catch up. If we do teach honor, it is a principle that will go well for them for the rest of their life. So a couple of points, I wanna just talk about how this works. What honor, when I, when I choose to honor what it does in me, the good benefits that it gives to me and, and how this plays out. Take a note, you can write this down. Number one, honor produces humility. And I can't ever think of a time in my life, nope, I don't need any more humility. I mean, there's times I needed more confidence, but, but humility just looks good on you. Humility just looks good in the mirror. I do need confidence, but, but confidence is not the absence of humility. It's not. Humility is meek. It's submissiveness. Listen, Jesus humbled himself and confidently went to the cross to pay for you and I's sin. Jesus was a perfect confident example of humility. Philippians chapter two talks about this. Verse five, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, though he was God. He didn't think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. In obedience to God, and he died a criminal's death on the cross. What he's saying is, Jesus didn't have to leave heaven. He is the right hand of God. He is divinity. He is divine. He is God. He didn't have to. He chose to. He humbled himself. He took on the form of humanity. He made himself a slave. He submitted confidently to the cross because he knew humanity needed a savior. A picture of Christ's humility. Man, that's powerful. Humility is something we, we quietly celebrate. 
Humility, it just, it just looks good in the mirror. And when there's the absence of humility, it, it just hits wrong. You take a, a sports personality, an actor, a, a celebrity, somebody who wins an award and somebody congratulates them. Man, that was great. You did awesome. Yeah, I know. I'm better than anybody else. That just hits different, not necessarily in a good way. It just comes across as arrogant. We all love the, the champion or the, the coach or the team when they've won the championship and you say, man, anything you wanna say, you go, hey, you know what? I wanna talk about the other team we played. They deserve this. They worked just as hard. Man, what an incredible group of people they are. We couldn't have got here if it hadn't been for a team effort. That is humility and it looks good in the mirror. It is humbling to honor especially especially if they don't deserve the honor. Here's the deal. None of the places in the Bible where it's commanded to honor, does it say, okay, honor your father and your mother if they deserve it. It doesn't say that about your parents. It doesn't say that about kings or rulers. It just says honor. Because maybe it's more about the humble work that God is doing in you than the honor that comes out. When I honor, it, it produces humility in me, and humility just looks good in the mirror. Number two, honor pushes me to forgive. We're probably gonna spend a whole Sunday in this series just talking about the principle of forgiveness because throughout Scripture, we are commanded, we are commanded to forgive. It's a very, very, very powerful principle. That It's a discipline, really, we need to practice in our lives. And I know some of you would say, listen, I ha- you don't understand my parents. I would have to forgive them before I could honor them. And I think God knew that when he gave this command to honor because he really wants two for the price of one. He knows if you will honor, you have to forgive. Unforgiveness just turns ugly, turns into bitterness. It'll cost you your joy. Honestly, it will isolate us. If we choose unforgiveness, if we choose bitterness, slowly one day we will wake up and the only people that are around you are the people that have to be around you. And I I fully acknowledge some of us came out of situations that your parents were abusive. Maybe your parents were absent. Maybe in your mind, they don't deserve the honor. Some of those cases, they did horrific things. Maybe they abandoned you. You don't wanna talk about it, let alone think about it. And I'm with you. But I know two things about those situations. Number one, you need to forgive, not for their sake, but for yours. You need to forgive, not for their freedom, but for your freedom. Forgiveness is not about setting someone free from their past and their consequences. It is about setting your heart free from the burden of bitterness. Amen, everybody? You got quiet on me. Forgiving is not forgetting. It's releasing the pain. Many times it's a faith thing. And like I say, I'm gonna spend a whole Sunday here. But you need to forgive them really more than they need to be forgiven because about something that God wants to do in you, okay? So I need to forgive, but then secondly, and I've already mentioned this, there is no if they deserve it clause on honor. It doesn't say honor your father if he deserved it. Honor your mother if she got everything right. It, it doesn't say that, it just says honor. And the reason that I think God starts with honor your father and your mother is so that we will start ingraining this early this principle early into our kid's life. And if you can honor your parents that weren't perfect, you saw their faults, you saw their failures, you feel like they let you down, but if you can learn to honor them, then you can learn to honor 
anywhere. Amen, everybody? Again, my parents were the first and the hardest to honor. So number one, honor produces humility. Honor pushes me to forgive. And number three, honor protects my reputation. You'll never regret choosing to honor. If I choose to honor, it does not make me look weak. It actually makes me look like the bigger person. If I choose to honor, it doesn't make me look dumb. It actually makes me look more mature. It makes me look wise. So a minute ago, I referenced where Peter was writing to Christians and reminding them the importance of, of honor the king. He also says this, it is God's will that you're honorable. It's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. If you honor, if you live honorable, it protects your reputation. So I searched the word honor in a couple of different English translations of the Bible, like the NIV, it's in there 211 times. You go back to old King James, thou shalt honoreth. It's in there 178 times. New Living Translation, the one I read most, one of the probably more popular, easier to read translations is out there today. It shows up 366 times. There is an honor for every day of the year, and they included loop year, leap year, right? It's the principle of honor. It is commanded throughout the Bible, throughout Scripture, over 366 times. We're commanded to honor. It's almost like scripture is saying this. If you are a believer, you will honor. It's assumed that it comes with being a follower of Christ. So I want you to do a little experiment. I was kind of noticing this week and just trying to pay attention, like especially if you're a social media user, like if you're on the inner tubes and on the talk ticks and all that type of stuff, right? Like on the Facebook, just pay attention. I know it's TikTok. Pay attention. Pay attention to where posts where people are dishonoring, being negative, critical of somebody, whatever. And I want you to notice what it produces. It's almost like a piranha attack. Notice what it produces in you when you read that. And then I want you to pay attention to posts when people are honoring and they're respectful, and they're paying tribute, and they're showing gratitude. And I want you to notice the reaction it gets. This is my observation, and I'm not as much on the TikToks as you are, but when someone is respectful and complimentary and grateful, man, that's just an explosion of good things that happen. I perceive that those type posts get more reaction than, well, you'll never believe what so-and-so did, you know. Just pay attention to that. Just pay attention to that. And I get it. People are more than willing to jump on a bad bandwagon and complain. But I also see when we do the right things, it produces the results we are looking for. You'll never regret choosing honor. Maybe you're one of those that your parents didn't teach you honor. Okay. You can still learn. And it's time. Because God's word said it's time. And here's the deal. I promise you, I promise you, 
You know how I can promise you? Because God's word promises you, if you will honor, things will go better in your life. It's time that we be the good fruit bearing believers that God's word commands us to be. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you don't see, I don't, I don't see what honor, how this works. Then I would just say, trust the process. I'd say, just trust God's word. Is it authority or not? Honor, honor. It starts with honor your father and your mother. Things will go well for you. You will live a long, full life in this world. Amen, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.